0: You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for April 14th, 2022, Maundy Thursday. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Elizabeth Garnsey. It's based on John chapter 13, verses 1 through 7 and 31b through 35. Jesus surprises his disciples the night before he dies as he gets up from the table, wraps a towel around his waist, and kneels down at their feet. You can only imagine their awestruck silence, their quizzical looks, as Jesus begins to wash the feet of every last one of them, including those of Judas, who is about to betray him, and those of Peter, who is about to deny him. After he dries their heels and toes with the towel, Jesus stands up, puts his robe back on, and returns to the table. And he gives them a new commandment. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Jesus tells them they should follow the example he has set for them and wash one another's feet. And in this moment, Jesus makes a powerful distinction. His disciples are to follow his example of humble service freely given. As students to their Lord and teacher, not as burdened slaves in servitude to a master. Jesus gives them a ritual act that points his followers to a much larger way of life, a way of life rooted in love and humility rather than fear and bondage. Jesus gives his followers an action to connect us to one another in life-giving intimacy rather than setting us against one another in competition for favor and power and position. He puts us vulnerably, humbly, at one another's feet. What a countercultural force Jesus embodies tonight, bringing our gaze downward to the ground where we put one foot in front of the other. Our feet take us where we want to go On our bodies, they are at the opposite end of our noble brains. They connect us to the ground, to the earthy reality of this world, making direct contact with the dust to which we will return, that divine soil of which we are made. As human bodies go, our feet most readily represent our physical humility, the finite nature of our physical reality. It takes reverence. It takes surrender to remove our shoes and present our humble feet to one another for washing, right here in this holy place. This is different than taking off our shoes for a walk together on the beach. Context is everything. Here, it challenges our comfort zones, humbles us into trusting in our love for one another. We've heard an old cliché plenty of times, I'm spiritual but not religious. By saying this, people basically mean they have deep sensitivities and hungers, awe-inspiring experiences and questions, but they're not driven to take part in religious services like this one, to address or connect with these deep places in their lives. I have to consider myself both spiritual and religious because I'm never happier or more filled with awe and wonder than when I'm outdoors in nature. But at its best, religion, our collective ritual observance, has at its foundation the work of helping us make and recognize connections between ourselves and God, nature and God, and nature and ourselves, and to bind us all together in the unified whole to which we already belong. Because we so often struggle to see our place in the unified whole, we tend to live as if we don't have a place in the unified whole. And this is our spiritual work, to discover and rediscover our unity with God and with all things. This is hard work, and the work is never done. Our unity with God and with all things is not a feeling, It's more of an awareness. And this awareness begins with making it our intention and goal, and finding practices that cultivate our intention and goal. To my mind, it takes both spiritual and religious practices to become aware of the peace available within ourselves and with our Creator, and to become aware of our unity with one another and with all that God has made. The visceral awe and wonder that nature inspires in us is one reason people are quick to name nature as the place where they feel the most spiritual and the most connected to the universe. Some of our greatest Christian thinkers down through the centuries have taught that nature itself is the first revelation of God. But God speaks the native language of each of us, and we cannot number the creative ways and modes that God employs for self-revelation. Awe and wonder and meaning are everywhere available on earth and throughout the universe to those with the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the heart to perceive them. Sometimes we need nature. Sometimes we need rituals. We always need connection. God is always looking for us, always appearing, always offering opportunities for us to find refuge in the enveloping love of God and to find our harmonious place within the universe that God has made. It is self-evident that left to our own devices, humankind is not so good at living harmoniously. Our species is unique in destroying our own habitat. We are unique in killing one another out of hunger for power and wealth. We are unique in betraying one another when we are afraid or hurt or disappointed. We need God's help at all times and in all places, in all ages, to recover the force of divine love and to return to harmony within the order of things. For Jesus, harmony was rooted in showing love for one another in humility and sincerity. Out of that love for one another, flows the rhythm of love for all other things." A Czech-born philosopher and political exile and Protestant pastor named Erezim Kohak wrote beautifully over his lifetime about humankind's relationship to the natural order. In his book, The Embers and the Stars, he says that what is distinctly human about us is our ability to perceive the moral law in the vital order of nature, subordinating greed to love. But because we get the love of power all mixed up with the power of love, humans from time to time feel like strangers on the earth. We become afraid of nature instead of part of nature. Afraid of it, or worse, we act like masters and owners of its riches. But our true privileged place in the order of things is to be the species that reflects the love at the heart of all things to animate and activate the love, self-evident in all and for all, that God, who is love, has made. Kohak said again, though again and again we wound the world around us, nature heals and accepts. Similarly, as the overarching story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection teaches us again and again, that though again and again we wound the world around us, betraying and denying those we love. The nature of God's infinite love is to accept us and heal us. It is to wait patiently for us to come to our senses. God's nature, as Jesus demonstrates with his very life, is to forgive and restore us again and again when we lose our way, and to help us get back up when we fall, to look for us when we are lost, to love us into becoming more fully the humans we are created to be, that we are created in God's image to be. And it is nothing less than this lofty and necessary goal of becoming fully human as Jesus was fully human that we are reminded of tonight as we do for one another what Jesus did for his disciples, wash one another's feet. Washing one another's feet is a bodily, physical, and religious practice that directs our gaze downward to the ground where our feet are. It reminds us that God is right here with us in these bodies on this earth and not just up there or out there somewhere in some separate spiritual realm. In God, there is no separation between ourselves and one another, no separation between ourselves and the earth in which we dwell, and no separation between ourselves and our creator. As we wash one another's feet, let us recognize and rediscover this unity and this love for one another that God has for us. Amen.